podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, how you doing? And welcome to a very special FYP podcast interview clips episode. Uh, This is Jim Daly, of course. Hello, how you doing? Um, And uh, in this episode, basically this is replacing uh, our monthly interview series that we normally do at the start of each month. Because in a couple of weeks we've got, you may have noticed, Pod 500 coming up. So... For that, we have got a very, very, very special guest joining us. But we're not going to release that at the start of the month. We're going to release that in a couple of weeks' time when it actually is Pod 500, which should, judging by my calculations, fall in the next international break. So definitely keep your eyes out for that because it's going to be well worth it and it's really going to help us celebrate Pod 500. But in the meantime, what I thought I'd do this week to fill the gap of, you know, the interview special when it comes out at the start of each month, I've got a clips special. A bit like in those uh, soap operas when they can't be bothered to write a new episode, so they just do loads of clips. Um, Of some of our best interviews from the past, well, almost 15 years that we've been going. Um, And we've had many, many interviews down the years with Palace people. And I'm going to share some of our most popular ones now. Um, If you're new to the podcast, uh, then you may have already heard them. uh, Sorry, if you're new to the podcast, uh, then you're welcome to go back and listen to them. If if you're a long-time listener, you may have already heard them, but there's some really good bits. It's a nice little walk down memory lane as well. So uh, hopefully this will fill the gap until Pod 500 comes along in a couple of weeks with our very special guest to celebrate that. Um, So that's it. Let's just get straight into it. No sponsor this week, no admin, nothing like that. Uh, let's going to get straight into the first interview, which was uh, Jason Punchin from 2017. Uh, we interviewed Punch down at Sellers Park um, uh, the week or so after he'd just been made uh, captain by Sam Allardyce. Uh, so here he is, a little clip uh, from our interview with Punch back then in 2017, talking about uh, becoming captain and a few other things as well. Enjoy. Your local lad as well, and now playing for your local team, does that add something to it as well for you? It does because I can look out that window and see where I used to live. Wow, my nan. Really? So, That's... you know, my mum used to work in the pub at the corner there, the Clifton Arms. Is the, it? the sweet shop I used to go to a lot. Oh, well. nice. So I remember it, it is, it's very special special to me, this place, you know, especially when you turn up on a Saturday and you, you, you see the people outside. So and do, after the game. Do you want to tell people why you got here a bit early tonight then? <laughs> <laughs> that was because I just wanted to get some jerk chicken. <laughs> tasty jerk. Yep. That's when you know you're getting near the palace as well, the smell of the tasty jerk. Yeah, Lovely, yeah. Plume of smoke. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we've got some questions from our listeners. The first one comes from Alex Charles. Mm-hmm. And he says to Punch, thank you for the best two minutes of my life. Actually, must about the cup final. Was that what it was, two minutes? I think it was. It yeah. was. It was a great, yeah. a great two minutes. It was a great two minutes. Yeah. The most emotional moment in football ever that really? I've had. Definitely. I think the, the, the whole occasion um, took me by great surprise in the moment that I scored afterwards. And probably for till the whistle blew for actually to go for extra time, didn't he actually realise I was playing in the cup final? Really? Really? It was just all so real, everything that was going on. You know, but obviously the most disappointing thing is you lost them regardless people always say you scored an FA Cup final but I do look back at that and say I think that's a very great opportunity missed yeah I mean we had we, we had a really really good chance of winning that, that final yeah. didn't we with 
with, with the team we had, mm-hmm. the team United had on the day, we came we came very close, didn't we? Yeah, but I still believe, hopefully in the years to come, hopefully I can be a part of that, we can get back there again. I think we've got the capabilities, and obviously pointing in the right direction, we can try and achieve that again. Well, we also did, because I thought the other brilliant two minutes was after the Norwich goal as well, which was... Yeah. Mm, Almost as good. That, yeah. yeah, that brilliant pose that you did that became sort of iconic. <laughs> was that just purely spontaneous? No, do you know, do you know what it was? It was the season I had. Um, I'd probably say before that I got injured. And the season I had not scoring really got to me because before I got injured, I was playing really like, very below par for me. You know, and the gaffer, to be fair, Pardew stopped by me and he played me. And then I remember we played. Um, Stoke in a cup when I fought my hamstring but my character is always to just go so then we done Bournemouth and then I done my hamstring in the game and I was just so raring to get back get back it was even the Reading game in the cup finals on the bench and he wouldn't put me on he was like no I need to keep you I need to keep you we played Leicester at home I need to keep you I need to keep you then I started West Ham and then we came back here and played Norwich and I remember just everything was so emotional for me scoring in that game it was just pure natural instinct what happened to me at that time mm. And then so much emotion, ten minutes, five minutes later, I said to get to come off, I'm absolutely <laughs> blown. I couldn't run no more, like my heart, because I hadn't played for so long. Yeah, yeah. I was maybe probably a bit unfit then. <laughs> so, I think that's one of the things that people, Palace fans love about you, mm. is they can see your emotion and they see you care about, about the club. And you know, a lot of footballers have the reputation of just taking the money and mm. that's it. But, but, but having, having a, an emotional attachment to the club is, is what you know, yeah, it's people really respect and love. Yeah, definitely. I think Crystal Palace that is our club. It's yeah. always been people like that. You know, and you obviously get other players that come in and supplement that. That are good players and great players. But I'm an emotional person. I always have been, and more so with it evidently, obviously being my hometown club. Can you can you take it in? I mean, when you, I know footballers give different answers to this. Sometimes they concentrate in silence. But when you hear people singing, he's one of their own. Can you? Do you hear that? Does that make you proud? It does make you proud, and you, you get goosebumps. You know, scoring like pivotal times when it happens. You know, the fans sing your name. You know, and the banner they put up. You know, my mum comes to the game. My mum's in tears. Oh. She cries. She sees me afterwards. You know, my, I didn't. I told my mum the morning of the game. She didn't know I was going to be captain. So just make sure you get there early. But she always likes to turn up two minutes before. She <laughs> sees it. She cries. You know, it's emotional. It's a special moment for me being at my hometown club. I've sat in those stands before, I've yeah, just walked yeah. these roads when it's, there's big games and stuff going on and to sit there and be able to do it myself is, is great, I take great pride in it. What, what, what was the conversation like when Sam made you captain? Sam's funny, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, great character. He, well, literally, we was, we was at the canteen, at the training ground. He pulled me and he said, um, you're going to be captain in front of me. He, he's not one to pull your side, he'll talk in front of you. So you're going to be captain. So I said, OK. He said, well, smile them, will you? <laughs> <laughs> so I started laughing. <laughs> And then that was it, literally. And I suppose I haven't really looked back since. And what, um, what does he, uh, do you do differently as a captain? Extra roles, responsibilities? No, I think obviously there's extra roles in terms of you've got to give the tickets out for away uh, games and stuff like that. But in terms of daily things around the training ground, I just try to be myself, which I've always been a character to talk to people, try and help people. Feel some people need to get lifted in different ways, and like Wolf's a character, I have to tackle him in a different way. I have to sort of deal with him like a big brother. Some people I can talk to him in a, in a stern way to, to get the better out of him. And I just always try to be me as far as I'm concerned. When I cross that white line, the only thing I want to do is achieve a win. Mm-hmm. And if I can help everyone around me 
and I might not have the best of game myself. So if I've done that and they have, then I've done my job. So has it changed in, in a way any what you play on on a Saturday or how you approach the game at all? Has it sort of weighed on you at all? No, it's probably more so helped me in just knowing that you can't go down and give up and switch off in games and maybe sometimes you get games where you're going behind and you just always have to try and stay positive because everyone's looking towards you. Did Sam explain his reasons for making you captain? Um, yeah, he explained his reasons, um, I think because he likes my voice. Um, obviously being a local lad, he said he cares and obviously he knows that I'm a very vocal person in and around the training ground and whether I'm training or not training or in and around the dressing room and I'm always there to help everyone. Uh, we had a question from Nick Fisher who says, what do you say to the players in the huddle before the game? It's always different, you know, because depending on the game, you know, I think the Burnley game, we are, I said specifically, I think we just need to respond, you know, and, and, and try and respond in, in the right manner, you know, and it didn't work. Mm. It's not always the right thing you say <coughs> sometimes, you know, the Leicester game I said something and it worked. we done the Chelsea game, I didn't say anything. We came out in the second half and we yeah. still won. You know, you always try and pick different things that you might say at that time what you feel is right. There you go, Jason Punchin, Palace legend. What a guy he was. Absolutely lovely bloke to hang out with uh, for an hour or so. And uh, yeah, you could tell the passion that comes from him uh, for playing and captaining captaining Palace at the time. So uh, top, top bloke. We wish him all the best. We'd happily have him back on the podcast at some point if he's listening or out there. Anyone knows him. Uh, But yeah, top bloke uh, was Punch. Now let's go back a further year to 2016. May 2016, to be precise, the week before Palace played the FA Cup final against Man United, we were delighted to welcome back to the podcast Palace captain Mile Jedinak, who sat down with us at Steve Browett's house, which is aka sort of our studio for these interviews uh, uh, quite often. And talked about, well, many, many things. This was a really fun interview with Jedi. Um, you can hear the laughter sort of going out throughout the most of the interview. He's a, he's a very, very serious, but actually very funny, jokey guy. Um, there were some serious questions, some silly questions. Here's a chunk of that interview. Um, we all know what went down at the uh, the the final of course a week or so later but this is us building up to the final we were very very honoured to have Jedi uh, on the pod given that they would have been doing a lot of work in that week up to the final and focusing on the final but he took uh, an hour or so out of his time to come and chat to us uh, and Steve Browett so here we go Mile Jednak 2016 week before the cup final on the FYP podcast enjoy Right, uh, part two is always question time, and we've got a lot of questions uh, for Mele and Steve. Um, a lot of them were themed around the beard. <laughs> oh, thank you. Which one? <laughs> Fortunately, Steve, Mele. Off you go, Steve. There you go. Nice. Uh, I thought I'd just get them out of the way, get the beard ones uh, out of the way. So the first one's from Carl Mortimer. Hi, Carl. Hi, Carl. Oh, Carl. He says, can you ask Mele who copied who with the beard? Did he copy Joe or vice versa? Neither, I think. I think we just grew it at different times. Yeah, a little bit coincidental. I shaved mine. I had it and then I shaved it because um, <laughs> I had to get <laughs> I had to get a, a new visa. <laughs> to stay there. <laughs> so I it. And then I and then it grew back over once I uh, yeah once I got back from the Asian Cup it, it sort of grew back and then I've kept it since. So. But Joe, yeah, he's. He's got some nice growth there, that's for sure. Who, uh, what are your plans for it? Keep it? Yeah, keep it for now, why not? Um, <laughs> haven't been told to shave it by <laughs> my other half, so she's, uh, 
Yeah, I'll keep it for now, even though my kids are on me all the time. No, we don't want you with the beard, but it's um, no, it's staying for now. So the next question is from Matt Philip Harris. Hi, Matt. Oh, right. And he says, Jedi, if you knew shaving the beard off would guarantee us winning the <laughs> FA Cup, <laughs> would you do it? Um... If it, yes. If it meant guaranteeing the FA Cup, then yeah, of course I'd do it. What's, it's a silly question. But <laughs> it's not. It's it not. Uh, it's not. <laughs> we know we all know that's not it. So <laughs> let's hope the beard stays and, and we get the FA Cup. If you could fill the FA Cup with beard, that'd be great. Shave it off <laughs> into, the, into <laughs> the FA Cup. <laughs> Next question is from Rob Morgan, I think. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Uh, Mile, what's the difference in pre-match preparation between league and cup? If any, no, there is none. No, there, you know, it's it sounds weird. I've you know I got asked a question today about you know contrasting form, cup and league. Um, you know, it's it's been hard to put a put one. It's been hard to put your finger on exactly how why it's been so contrasting. But in terms of preparation and the way we um, went into every game, it was always the same. Maybe. Knowing that you know it was a cup game and not three points at stake might have had a, something to do with it, but as far as individual preparations and team preparations, it's it's been pretty much the same way, and I don't think it'll change uh, this week. That's for sure. With the with the the, the fourteen game winless run that we went on, was there any? How many? <laughs> that's not right. I think that's. I think that's yeah. Was there any concern? With what, what, what no, concern? No, or, or, or was there kind of a uh, thinking that it will turn around at some point? Um, I think anyone who knows, I don't know what do you what did you got. I would love to hear what you guys thought at this during this time. Like, well, initially <laughs> we thought it was quite funny. To be honest, because it was came out of the blue, but mm. the, the problem was the odd thing was that apart from I think Villa away, and maybe Bournemouth, there was never a game that you felt we played badly. It, it's you know even the Liverpool game for the first hour we were the better team, so it just seemed we did have a lot of bad luck. Well, no, we did. I, I know you shouldn't talk about bad luck, but we, no, we did with players out and with refereeing decisions and all sorts of stuff. But it never felt like we were on a bad run. Weirdly well, because we had those cup games included. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone talks about that bad run, but I don't see why you have to take out the FA Cup games. No, that's no, true. No, it's yeah, Crystal Palace yeah, sure, playing yeah. big teams. Yeah, yeah, you know, why, why are those games not counted? Well, even, the, even the Tottenham game, I mean, we could have scored three or four in the home game against Tottenham. We hit the bar twice. We were on the front foot the whole, yeah, the whole way through. And Liverpool, so. that, that penalty at the end was oh, just... And we yeah, were the better, for the first hour. Bad yeah, for the first hour, we were much the better team. It's just... There a little. You could see the confidence wasn't as high as it would have been, maybe. But there was, I don't, you know, of course you you do get concerned because the league table doesn't lie. But it wasn't like we weren't. We were never Villa. We were never. Mm. It didn't. Mm. It was never catastrophic because we was we were playing well. We never. There was never any lack of commitment or energy or enthusiasm. It was quite clear no. they were still playing for the manager. But I thought. Just, I thought Villa away was the only game. That yeah, that, just, yeah, that didn't, didn't go well, did it? I didn't play, mate. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the perfect answer. I still take responsibility for it, obviously. But no, I think, you know, no, in all honesty, I think, you know, coming back to the question, I think, um, I really do think that uh, anyone that sort of knows us as a group and knows 
you know, you, you, you all, everyone touched on it about not being overly concerned. Um, and we as a playing group, I never once thought that we're not going to not win a game. Yeah. We're not going to get out of this rot. Knowing me, knowing who I've got around me in the changing room um, and how hard we were working yeah. to try and fix it, um, you just knew it was going to turn. Uh, did we want it to go on for 14 games? Oh, okay. <laughs> no one ever wants to go on a run like that. And, you know, that's especially after putting ourselves in a, in such a good position in the, at the halfway mark. But um, you always knew that we'd have enough and enough strong characters and belief to just it might not be, it may have not been the prettiest, but we would, you know, I'll say it and I say it as the way it was. You grind your way. And you and you grind out victories and you grind out results, whether they be draws to stop to stop the rot. Yeah. And uh, you know, it took people understanding that and, and rolling their sleeves up and, and doing that on countless occasions, coming up short, but then going again and doing it the next week. And, and you know, psychologically, I don't know. Maybe some of the maybe people were feeling a bit down, but. I was always one and I know a lot of other guys with me in that change room and, and most of us were like well the only ones who are going to make it right is yeah. what we do and we need to stay positive there's nothing to we shouldn't be you know the alarm bell shouldn't be ringing um, we've been you know I, I don't think we've been on a 14 game run but we've been in some bad positions before yeah. in the league um, maybe having the first half of the season behind us and knowing that the expectations um, uh, the, obviously the expectations yeah. change but having the first half of the season and doing so well and having a little blip um, along the way you knew we'd be alright because yeah. we'd done it before yeah, yeah. Um, I think if it were the other way around then it's a little bit different yeah. like we had done in the, in the yeah. past few seasons so you know it was nothing that I hadn't seen before yeah. um being involved with the football club but again nothing that anybody shied away from during that time I think that's why the uh, punches reaction and the other players reaction to his goal at Norwich against Norwich yeah. was so important because if there was never any doubt but every single Palace fan realised then how, that it meant as much to the players as it did to the to the fans it, it wasn't just a job for you that you were aware of what had gone on and that there was that big release of emotion for the players I ran the other way because I I don't celebrate I don't I tend to I was close but I did I tend to save my energy and go the other way but it was lovely like again it was it was it was nice to see that obviously seeing all the footage and yeah. stuff after but you know even just in that game the you know, obviously it was a tense day and we all knew it was a tense day and it was going to be like that but you know everyone sort of keep their emotions in check there you go, Mile Jednak. What a guy. As imposing as you'd expect, with a phenomenal beard like you'd expect, but a very, very funny, warm guy as well. Really enjoyed his company. And that was the second time he'd been on. The previous time was three years previous uh, before the playoff final. So next time Palace get to a final of any sort, let's get Jedi back on the pod, even though he's not playing for us anymore, uh, just because I think it would help get us in the mood. Um, right, hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, more interview clips.
Welcome back to the FYP podcast interview clips special. Uh, I'm Jim Daly taking you through some of my favourite interviews we've done with Palace players and celebrities down the years. We now move on to a man who I, I, I'll admit I think changed my perception of him uh, when he came on the podcast. It, he is a player, this was of 2019 I think, Christmas 2019, still playing for us. In fact, celebrating his 11th year at the club. It's none other than Joel Edward Philip Ward. Um, and I have to admit, and maybe it's just because he's very good at doing the media stuff, I always thought he was quite sort of straight-laced, quite down the middle, but actually he was a very funny guy, and I really enjoyed, very deadpan humour, really enjoyed having him on the pod. We're back at Steve Browett's house for this one. Um, this was a lovely sort of build-up to Christmas. It, it was great. Really enjoyable time with Wardy. Uh, and as you'd expect, he just eulogises about his love for Palace. So let's get into it. This is Joel Ward on the FYP podcast from 2019, I think. Enjoy. As you've sort of got older with Palace and been, well, what sort of role do you see yourself playing in the changing room? Are you sort of help the younger players, like when Aaron came in last season? Are you helping them sort of adjust to first team opportunities and giving them advice and stuff? I'd like to think I do. Um, I'd like to think that you know, if anyone's got a question or wants advice, then I'm always open um, and I'm always happy to chip in and and talk. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm you know, a loud leader who's going to kind of run and rave or, or anything like that. But I think, you know, I, I'll get my head down and go about my business. And I think that's probably a thing for me that I've always, always done, uh, you know, because I'm not the most, you know, even from a young age, I was never the most talented player. But I think when you apply yourself then you, you're going to give yourself a chance. And, I, you know, I, I like to think every time I walk off a pitch or training ground, I've given myself the best opportunity or given 100%. So I think hopefully I lead by example mm. um, and my actions so uh, sometimes like speak louder than my words. What was it like when Aaron took your place? Were you, you know, when, when, when Jim says, you know, did you give him advice? Or were you really hoping that uh, he wouldn't do that well so you get your place back. Is that my taxi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it must have nice. been amazing for, for you to see this kid who, who'd obviously you, you'd known all the time in the academy not being in your position. He wasn't even a, a mm. right back in the academy. Yeah. Uh, and, and he only got the chance because you got injured and then I guess Martin got injured. I think and, uh, Tim uh, yeah, yeah. was injured yeah. as well, yeah, so he went in. Yeah. So were you as like amazed as everybody else at how amazing the think, world he did? I think um, I think everyone was. Yeah. You know, you don't often see a youngster come in and and do as well as what he done. And I don't think it was particularly any wrongdoing on my half. I think no one was getting in front of him at that period of time. He was, yeah. he was, been, he was unbelievable when he stepped onto the scene. Um, yeah. and those, last season, those games you know, were difficult, weren't they? It yeah. Was four big Spurs, United. Big, big yeah. games. Liverpool, and I think, yeah. Yeah. you know, even in the, the whole season that he played, you know, he fully deserved the accolades that he got. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for, for me, I think it's one of those ones where, you know, I, I was, I've been blessed. I've played a lot of, a lot of football and, more times than not, have been playing rather than being mm. on the bench. But you didn't but throw your toys out the pram. No, you can't. Your position, you can't. Nicked. I think if I, I guess there's different circumstances. If you know someone's not playing well, and you're kind of like 
come on, give me a chance. Yeah, 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 come on, let, let me back in or whatever. But when you've got someone who's, you know, getting... You know, yeah, man of the, the match every week. Yeah, yeah, I think for the first 12 games, you got man of the match for the first 12 <laughs> games. I mean, you <laughs> doesn't give me much chance there, but no, it's, yeah. you know, it, all credit to him, yeah. you know, to come in and do that and to do as well as he has. He's, he's deserved what he's got and, you know, getting his move to... You know, Man United. Which yeah, and that is, is inspirational is, for every kid in the Palace yeah, Academy, isn't definitely, it? Definitely, yeah. To 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 see a boy who, who when he was their age, whatever their age might be, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, mm. to see a boy who wasn't necessarily one of the stars of the academy achieve what he's done, and then got a dream move to you know arguably the most famous football club in the world is is inspirational for all those other kids that That's they right. get the chance at Palace, and if you take your chance. Look what can happen. I, I heard this amazing statistic this week that um, the transfer fee for Aaron was is the world record fee for a player who hasn't who's played less than fifty football matches, professional matches, yeah. in his career. You know, to, he went from he went from being uh, not second choice right back, but you know, not even any choice right back to to. To getting that move in what was it, eighteen months? Yeah, no, it was amazing. Yeah. It was brilliant, and you know, people say, "Oh, is it hard?" And I'm like, "Do you know what I think?" Yes, you want to play, and for me, I'm I'm someone that, regardless, I want to play football. Um, you know, even if I have to go and go left back, centre mid, whatever, just get me on the pitch. I just mm. want to play. Mm. Um, you know, I love being out there, and I love the buzz of it, and you know, I, I just. I can't stand not not playing, but you also have to, you know, hold your hands up, and you also have to kind of push people on, and you know, I'd, I'd be the first to to praise him, you know, and, and like I said before, he deserved everything that he's he's got, mm. and hopefully he goes on to achieve greatness. Yeah, I think he will. I mean, they are raving him at United, but they seem to have forgotten that he played for Palace beforehand. But that's a different debate. Um, <laughs> so, four out of four so far. Final question. Right. This, is for the, this is to match punch in terms of... I think he got five. Five out of five. Um, it's a true or false question. You're known for your versatility, mm-hmm. as you were just talking about then. And in your career, you've played in every single position on the pitch. True or false? Not every, no. No. I actually don't know the answer, to be honest. So. <laughs> it's false. I'd imagine it's probably false, but yeah, we're, we're not goalkeeper. Goal. I'd imagine. I'd goal. <laughs> I'd, I, if if the cl- if if I had to, yes, I would. I'd put my hand up first. Uh, first. I did play a goal once. I played in goal once, and that was in the youth team. The keeper got sent off, and I went in for seventy-five minutes, kept a clean sheet. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so it is an option, but you know it's out there. So Roy's listening. I mean, it's slightly different, but. <laughs> Just so. If it came to that, at, Pal- at Palace, at Palace, now so of the eleven, Wayne Hennessy's pulled up, injured on the bench. Pacente's gone down. Not got a goalkeeper. Who's going to go in? Oh, I'm, I'm sticking the gloves on. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Who else would fancy themselves to be the goalie? I reckon mm, PVA might. Uh, I think Cows could. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And would you wear Sells gloves? <laughs> Listen, I'll wear whatever's given to me. <laughs> Very nicely done. Very but nicely I like done. the plug. <laughs> Shout out to Selsy. Selsy will like it too. Yeah. Um, so, 
Have you played in every other, every other position then? Pretty much. Have you played up front? Pretty, uh, not for us, but... No. Um, played in the hole. Not ten. Yeah. Have I played alongside the front man? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I've played left and right wing. Centre mid, left back, centre back. Yeah, pretty much. We did have a question from someone, and I apologise to them because I can't find it on my list. Who said, what, what is your favourite position? Like, what, given the choice, what would you pick? Right back. It is right back. Yeah, right really? back. Yeah, especially because that's probably the predominant like, position that I have played. Um, which, I love it. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say right back. Yeah, it's always nice. It's always nice, kind of going into midfield or or yeah. something like that. Yeah. because you know, get in the middle, spray some balls about. Yeah, I'll try to. But you don't seem to, <laughs> you don't seem to be faced when you have to play left back. No, and no. for a right footy player, that's not it's not a problem to play left back. I know that, I know there are quite a few left backs in the world who are right footed, aren't there? But mm. no, I I, I think I just do you know what I think it, as long as you try your best and you, you give it all, then. Hopefully it'll work out. <laughs> well, you, you've had some very good games at left back. Well, I remember that run towards period, the end yeah, of the yeah. first season under Pulis. You were left back, weren't you? Yeah, for yeah, midway through the season, I went left back and was there for till the end of the season. All the way through, yeah, yeah. till yeah, and, and even after Pulis left, I think for a pit. And that goal, the John Terry own goal, the Chelsea match. That was your ball. You crossed it in, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah, it was yeah. A swinger, <laughs> just. <laughs> Just lump it in there. Assist. <laughs> but there's a great camera angle from that, basically, all from behind you, and it's such a good angle of Terry heading in. It's beautiful. Yeah. It just missed Joe Ledley. Yeah. I think it was. Just mi- missed Leslie. Yeah. I think he almost got in the end of it. Thankfully, he didn't. That was a great moment. JT just knocked it in for us. That was a. I wasn't there, unfortunately. It was a special moment, that, that yeah. match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. That was good. That was good. Well, we've got, I've got a few quick-fire questions. Are you ready for some? Some okay. of our listeners have sent some quick-fire questions. Let's, let's have a go. One of them uh, has said, actually, Will Gascoigne has said, what's good been name. your best moment so far in a Palace shirt? Uh, got a couple, but I think the playoff semis and the playoff final was special. Um, FA Cup was amazing, but it's always... You pinch yourself because you're... We're so close. Yeah. Um, and Liverpool home and Liverpool away. So Cristanbul. Cristanbul and Gerard's last. Gerard's last game when we were in the party. We were good there. <laughs> we really were. Some big moments. Yeah. Big moments. The biggest individual moment for you in a match? The headline spoke for itself, didn't it, I think? Uh, the year we went up. Hmm. Was it the something when header? He kicked it off the line. Head yeah, off the line. Off the line. Yeah. I was headed head off the line. Yeah, so yeah. Like hundred and thirty yeah. something million header yeah. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I really described yeah, it as. Yeah. No, I mean that one of the biggest that, moments. That that moment was as important as 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 Kevin Phillips' goal at the other end. You know, they. It's one of those weird moments in that even when I watch the highlights back now. And that ball is going in, and you're about to rise. I still get nervous about. It. I don't know why. It's <laughs> bizarre. It. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can remember Julian's save, Charles header, yeah, and KP's penalty. KP's penalty, and, and Wilf getting fouled. And I can't really remember yeah. the rest of the game. I tell you what does annoy me though is I think it's stopped now, but 
I was in a similar sort of position for the FA Cup final when Mata or Mata struck it and I was on the thing and it hit my calves or legs or knees or something and went in and I was like and and every time I went into like John Lewis Curry's anywhere like that it was just up on the TV and I was like oh my goodness I just can't get away from this game like what is going on we've all forgotten that I don't know yeah, I don't remember that. Half. Went out in the semis. I don't know what happened. After <laughs> <it>. <laughs> the semis was a great occasion as well. Yeah. yeah, Joel Ward on the FYP podcast. What a guy he was. Well, I'm, what I enjoy about these player interviews, and you've probably heard it from the first three clips, there, is how much these players care about playing for Palace. You know, almost as much as we do as fans. You kind of forget really that they are putting their heart and soul into playing these games, and it means a lot to them. It's not just a job; they actually really care about the club. Um, so that's a really nice sort of reminder every time you get to interview uh, these players. Our next interviewee definitely cares about the club. It's the fantastic Rebecca Lowe, uh, NBC football lead over in the States and huge Palace fan. Now, Jack and Kevin sat down with her, I think at the end of last year, I think it was. That's right. It was during the World Cup when there was no Palace. So we did some interviews then. And in fact, that mini series was the precursor to our monthly uh, series that we're doing now because we enjoyed it so much. So uh, I wasn't available. I can't remember what I was doing. Uh, but Kevin and Jack led this one and had an hour or so with Rebecca, who was, as you'd expect, absolutely brilliant, very funny, very informative, very warm, and a huge passion for Palace uh, coming through. If you're not sure who she is, she is basically the, the lead anchor for football in the States. She is the person that is helping transform football, or soccer, as they call it over there, um, She's a huge celebrity in the States and just so happens a massive Palace fan. So here she is talking to Kevin uh, and Jack uh, about being a Palace fan. You reported on a, a, a lot of games, didn't you? As I did. Yeah. What was it like covering? Did you ever cover Palace games? Was that weird? Oh, Kevin, it was the game. I, I was there for final score at the, at the Charlton game. At oh, Charlton no. when we went down. Yeah. Oh, no. And I, I know, I, I'm not quite sure why they sent me to that, actually. It was kind of an error. because. Malice. That was really difficult. Yeah, yeah, because I think because I was so young and so new to the job, and I don't know about anybody else, but I will always say that final score for me was the hardest job I've ever done. I found it so so. I would feel sick. I wouldn't eat all morning. I would get to the ground. I would panic about plugging in the ISDM machine. I was the only girl. Nobody, which yeah, is yeah. another thing which made me feel really alone <clears throat> then the game would start and i was so young kevin that this whole thing was new to me so what the, yes i love football and i understood the game but identifying you know the ipswich left back something who scored a goal i'm like just like oh my god and they didn't necessarily have screens and nobody wanted to help me and sometimes i would really struggle and i would and they would come to me you know stubsy ray stubbs who was hosting it would come like immediately after the goal and luckily i never had a moment where i got anything wrong but i was always on the edge of my seat and struggling with that but that game in particular I found really difficult because I had to be obviously neutral and Palace went down and they came to me on the final whistle. In fact, they came to me a couple of seconds before and then the final whistle happened while I was live on BBC One and that was one of the hardest things. Yeah. And and then I just sat in my seat afterwards and cried. I did. Uh, I I found it. I hated doing Palace games for Max for day two. I hated it. But I found, and I don't know if this is your experience, I found that being a Palace fan, actually gave me credibility with with football fans because, A, I wasn't supporting one of the traditional top six. People knew that I supported my local team and we weren't particularly Mm -hmm. good. So that kind of gave you an in when you were talking to fans, I found. 
I think you're absolutely right. I actually think throughout my whole career, whether it be here in America, when I meet all the fans that we do these fan fests around all the cities in America, or the first 10 years of my career in the UK, when people knew I was a Palace fan, it definitely gave you credibility because why on earth would you be a Palace fan? You've done your time. You've done your time. And bloody hell, have we, by the way. Um, And... Yeah, because I spent my entire teenage years watching the Ensley League Division One, and usually somewhere near the bottom of it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I totally agree with you, Kevin. It definitely gives you credibility for sure. While we're talking about those early days at the BBC, yeah. Rebecca, along with people like Jackie Oatley and Gabby Logan, you were a pioneer. And I know from being there that women in football broadcasting had a lot of negative attitudes to overcome at the time. I remember Jackie Oatley saying to me that the first requirement of any woman in football was to know more about football than any man. That's the least they expected. And because Jackie's, I mean, she's forgotten more about football than I know. It's incredible. But do you, do you think that that battle is won now? Or are there still hurdles to overcome oh, gosh, for women? No. Really? Oh, no. So many, so many, Kevin, in the, everywhere. I think, I mean, there's just battles all in, in sport generally. But yeah. certainly, obviously, I can't talk specifically to England because I haven't been there for 10 years. But I, I, I can see what's happening in England. There are lots of positives. Don't get me wrong. When I left in 2013, there was Jackie, there was me, there was a, a, a few others. Now, when we take the pre-match, post-match interviews in the Premier League, we rarely hear a man's voice. We might hear yeah. Des Kelly or Jeff Shrees once or twice, but usually it's a woman. The, the influx of women into the game has been brilliant, but I still see the abuse. I still can yeah. see it on social media. I've, mm. I, I read articles about whether it be Faker or others at TalkSport, who's amazing at her job. She talks to me about it. Other women in the game receive all this abuse that men just don't. So going back mm. to what you were saying about Jackie, she's absolutely right. In, back in the day, <clears throat> I used to fear making a mistake more than anything because you it's such a it's such a cliche and it's such a boring thing to say but it's just true if I make a mistake it's it's everyone is all over like a rash mm. if if you know um Gerald since that bless his heart uh god rest his soul made a mistake mm. it just made a mistake just laughed up laughed endearing. So, so the, yeah. <laughs> endearing and a, exactly a whole different level of expectation um and that was just something that you sucked up the thing that I found back in those days is, that's different maybe from now is that you didn't complain about it then because you were just so bloody grateful to have a job, by the way. Mm. And you knew that they didn't, that they weren't really giving you a job. They weren't really opening the doors to women. They were just, they, they let a few in, but they didn't need that many. So the fact that they had me, they had Jackie, like that was enough. So you were just like hanging on to this job as best you could. So you certainly weren't going to complain all the way through. I had some terrible times at ESPN. Again, never crossed my mind to, to complain, never, which is terrible. And I would do now, but, but in those days, there wasn't the support for women that there is now. The women were to be subjected to the abuse that I got, God, over and over and over, over again at ESPN. Now, the clubs would have to make public apologies. There would be all yeah. sorts of things yeah, to yeah. support the woman. But nobody, nobody was wanted to do that back then. That's not, it's not even that long ago, guys. Like 2011, 2012, you mm-hmm. know? But I find even now, and we'll get back to Palace in a minute, even now, people, like, Gabby's a very good friend of mine. She, I think she's still underrated. People still think, oh, Gabby will do it if, if Gary's not available or if somebody yeah. else, you know, and Gary's brilliant. But what has changed, which is great, there are far more women on screen, which is brilliant. There are far more ex-black players on screen, which is great. Asian people on screen. And what hasn't changed is off behind the screen. In the production in the production offices, there's still not enough women or black people. Very few cameramen aren't white, middle class, 
blokes, yeah. sorry, three directors. Yeah. So, that's so, a shame. so it's rightly changed on the screen, but it's still not being reflected. And that's at, that's at Sky, that's at BT, that's at the BBC, everywhere. And I know they're trying to make a difference, but it's still it's it's taking some time. Even I spoke to a, for another pod, I spoke to the head groundsman at Leicester recently. He was brilliant, one of the best interviews I've ever done. But he was pulling his hair out because he said they're desperately trying to get young women, young black people to become ground staff right. because they don't see themselves mm. reflected on TV at half-time. That's it. It's really difficult. But, you know, a really good story, Kevin, for you, which which reflects all of this, is Casey Stoney, who used to play yeah. for England, of course, and Manchester United, women's manager, um, is the current manager of San Diego, San Diego Loyal, um, San Diego Loyal, San Diego Wave down in the NWSL um, here in the States. And my husband was assisting her for a while last season. And, and Casey and her wife have three children, including a little boy called Teddy who's about six years old and Teddy turned to her a few months ago just this is just brilliant and he said to her mommy did you know boys play football too <laughs> because all he had grown up with is mom and mom yeah. who are both professional footballers he's all he's witnessing is a NWSL team and for him so that just proves your point that he see what he is seeing creates his world yeah. so all those young women and young black people that are not seeing the groundsmen they're not seeing yeah. any of these people why would they think they could be them so this is why we've got to enforce more change i think we are so far away and it's a mm. bit depressing but we are still so far away kevin in all areas aren't we i I, th- I think having said that my favorite football story of the year was when the canadian men's national team threatened to go on strike because they weren't getting paid as much as the women which was, is which is a great, that a, is great. a great twist. But um, that is great. When you were offered that job in America, which was a, a brilliant opportunity, was there was there any part of you that thought oh, I'd love to go, guys, but I can't leave Sellers Park? Terrible, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. Is I haven't been to a game since I left England. Because my job is to present the Premier League. And now of course. I thought, yeah. let's be honest, based on my previous 20 years of supporting Palace, I thought we're not good. once we went up, because I, I went to the playoff final against Watford, <laughs> and then I moved to America. So I'm thinking, well, during an international break, I'll be able to go back and maybe see a Palace play in, in, in the championship because we'll go down. At some point in the next few years, we'll go down because that's what we had always done. Um, and it's never happened. So when they, they went up in 2013, I moved to America and we both stayed where we are. And I've never been able to go to a game. I've been to Selhurst once when Allardyce was manager uh, with NBC's team when we did the show from England and we went and watched training and spoke to Sam. But I haven't been to a game. And it pains me, pains me deeply. Well, I hope Rebecca got to a game. I think I saw on her socials that she did after this, because this would have been almost a year ago. Um, obviously, since then, Vieira's gone and Roy's back and many things have happened in the classic Palace roller coaster that is being a Palace fan that we all know and love so well. Uh, thanks, Rebecca, for taking the time out of a very, very, very busy person um, of her busy schedule. But we really appreciate that. That was a lovely, lovely interview. And hopefully we'll catch up with her again sometime in the future. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to catch up with you guys in a minute. Um, after this short break, we're going to come back with two more clips on this episode. FYP podcast interview clip special.
Welcome back to the FYP podcast interview clips special episode. Uh, oh, we should do this more often. I'm really enjoying this little sort of walk down memory lane. I think we should maybe do this a bit more often um, because we've got many. I'm only doing two more clips for you. We've had many, many more interviews down the years um, with all sorts of Palace heroes. Uh, so uh, and some more to come. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'll do this uh, more often. But anyway, for now, let's get into our next interview clip. Um, and we've had, you know, from the players so far, uh, legends and cult heroes. This guy well, I would say it's both in my eyes. Not at the club a very long time, but played a pivotal role in getting Palace to where they are today. It's none other than Albie, a.k.a. Aaron Wilbraham, um, who is now assistant manager at Shrewsbury, uh, doing a great job there. And uh, yeah, lovely, lovely bloke. We chatted to him again for our interview series about a year ago uh, during the World Cup. Uh, and he was, I mean, he really, he really played a role of sort of, uh, you know, didn't play many games, but certainly we talked about the playoff final when he came and did a great job, um, but was a sort of dressing room glue in a way. And here he is talking about uh, one of his particular dressing room roles, although it wasn't in a dressing room, it was on a, a squad trip abroad uh, and just a little bit of the, uh, for want of a better word, banter that he brought uh, to the dressing room. So here's Aaron Wilbraham uh, on the FYP podcast clip special. So Pudis then puts you in the 25 for the second half of the season, but then again only went on to make a few appearances, scored against yeah. Wigan in the cup. So sort of went back on his word then, or what was the situation I mean, there? Not really, because it wasn't like... It wasn't like he'd said, you're going to be involved. and you're going to... He just said, I want you back in the squad. I want you around the boys and you'll fight to get involved. Yeah. But again, we were kind of playing that system of only one up front back at the time. And I think Cameron Jerome was down the middle a lot on his yeah. own. So yeah. Yeah. it was, it was, I understood it and I was still training my hardest and, and doing all that. But for me, I didn't really, I didn't really want to go alone. I wanted to be fighting to be back involved and I didn't get, as much game time as I wanted to, because I was thinking I could do the same as what I did for Norwich and give everything every yeah. time he needed me. But we we did well, and I understood we. I think did we finish eleventh that season? Or yeah, yeah, safe, safe well ahead of when we thought we yeah. would be as well. Similar yeah. to Norwich, like eleventh and eleventh both seasons that we had in the I had in the Prem. But uh, yeah, not as much game time as I wanted. But I'd like to think. I was right to do what I did with my hip and everything and get back and involved, and that enabled me to go to Bristol City and hit the ground running when it happened. Yeah, I mean, there were certainly some end-of-season celebrations, and we will we'll go back in time, Jim, shall we? But there yeah. certainly are some tales from the celebration trip to Las Vegas, <laughs> yeah. Albie, that we certainly want to dig into with you because they sound fantastic. But, yeah, should we go back to... No, let's do that now. Let's do that now. While we're on Pulis, come on. Let's do that it's absolutely... Go on. It's, I can't yeah, wait. For... It, it was just... Uh... Because of the type of character he was, that kind of, if you walked in the room, you'd be a bit nervous and he just you could tell by his face he'd be ready to just give it anyone at any point. So that everyone was a bit, he had that fear factor, which you do need as a manager. But I just, between me and the kit man at the time, I just, we had the Vegas trip books because we'd not had a trip when we got promoted, like a kind of celebration trip because it was so late in the day with the player final lads had already lads were going on international duty people had yeah. weddings and holidays already booked for the missus and kids what so the chairman had said like listen i know you never got your trip but if you if you stay up next season and if you stay up in the premier league the club will pay for you to go away so we kind of had this trip booked and from when we had it i just got it in my head that it'd be 
it'd be just good to sneak off to the toilet while we're at like the biggest pool party in Vegas, Wet Republic, like thousands of people. I just thought, I'm going to get a full Tony Pulis tracksuit, wet jacket, cap, got a face mask of him, everything. All made, all in my suitcase, ready. Got loads of face masks. I think you could get like 12 for a certain price. So I ordered 12 of these masks and then told the kit man. I only told the kit man I was going to do it. I didn't tell anybody else. But what I started doing a couple of weeks before the trip, I was like, have you heard the gaffer part? I said, you're going to think I'm, and I kept a proper straight face. I said, started dropping it into a few of them. You heard the gaffers in the Vegas, like at the same time as us. And they were going, fuck off. And I said, honestly, I said, like, and they were going, no chance. I said, the kit man's told me, because obviously the kit man was in on the job with me. So I said, I said, I think he's there for like his brother in law's 50th. Like I said, it's not, he's obviously not going to be in the same places as us. You've really thought this out. Um, yeah. I said, he's not going to be in the same place as we are, like the clubs and stuff we're going to. And said, what? Imagine we did one Pinto. So that's a joke that he's there to say. I said, I think we only, only overlap it by a couple of days. But what's the chances of that? And they were going, so they were all going to the kit, man. He's like, after in Vegas the same time. So he's going, fucking yeah, yeah. Like, so we kept it going. And that was that. And um, I just I just remember I had this little drawstring kind of football boot bag, which I took into the pool party. And a lot of lads took them because they'd keep the phone in them and the money and stuff. So I had it all in there, like, folded neatly. I waited till the boys were kind of well on the way with a drink. We got there about midday, waited till about 4pm, just snuck off to the toilet, got the full tracky bottoms on, T-shirt, wet top, everything, cap. And I just, but from a distance, it looked like Tony Pulis, honestly. And I'm probably, like, he's quite tall as well. And he said, I come out, I come out the toilet, but I'm, because I can't see properly out this mask, and there's just thousands of people. I'm like tripping over that, but I can see our lads. I'm just keeping them on our tables and making my way around the pool. And I just remember I'd said to Paddy McCarthy, because he was like one of my good mates, listen, I'm going to the toilet, just keep an eye out for me on the way back, maybe get your phone ready. Because I thought, I need someone to catch it on video. And he was like, what are you up to? I said, just don't say anything to anyone else, just keep an eye on me in five minutes. And then I remember walking around and Paddy's looking and he's just got his head in his hands laughing, but he's not giving anything away. And it was Barry Bannon's face. He was kind of just like dancing. He had a bottle of beer in his hand and he just looked to the side and he added like triple check and his <laughs> face. It was just, all I remember is Barry Bannon's face. He just went like that as it ended up. All the voices must have come back at the chat of the gaffer being in the face <laughs> at the same time as us. And he just was like looking. And it took him about 10, he started walking off like he was going to get told off by the headmaster. And he started walking off past people, kept looking back. And then when he saw a few boys laughing, and I think a few of them were like, and then like they realised it was me when they seen it. And then everyone was just like jumping on me laughing. I started, I, I've still got videos on my phone. I started giving these masks out to these mad Americans. <laughs> They, they, were, they, were, they were in the pool probably on all kinds of drugs. And I've got videos of, like, people with Tony Pulis masks on, like, proper raving, like, jumping about in the pool. And it just looks like it's Tony Pulis in the water. Even the, I threw the T-shirt, the wet top, everything in the water. It was, like, tea, like jacket with TP floating around Wet Republic at 7 p.m. at night. Last one in the pool and just masks everywhere. But it was just something I decided to do as a bit of a laugh, and it went down well. That's how your Tony Pulis is. Absolutely incredible. Because Baron Bannon was Bannon wasn't supposed to be there. Wasn't yeah, that's that right. right. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like it was, 
loads of lads had, when when the lads heard it was a free trip to Vegas, they were like, yeah, yeah, loads of lads said they'd come and then couldn't come and it was just a bit of a shamble. We had a great time. We went, I think, I think we did three nights in New York and then four nights in Vegas and it was... Yeah, do, was, do you guys was, remember there was a show in like the early 2000s where Rio Ferdinand would like prank footballers and smirk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. thinking Aaron Wilbraham uh, pranks footballers. You clearly, you clearly got the the effort, uh, and it's like an operation. It really that sounds like military style. That is sensational. Uh, right, if I ever end up in Vegas, remind me to ring Aaron Wilbraham because I loved that story. It was great. I think you got a real sense of you know the role that he brought to the club in the dressing room and actually was happy to play even though he probably wasn't getting the game time he wanted on the pitch. Top bloke, Aaron Wilbraham. Uh, and it's maybe a little bit of a Shrewsbury fan. You know, so there you go. Uh, right, we're into our last clip and, um, well, the, the phrase legend, cult hero, just wonderful, wonderful human uh, can all be used to describe this last man. It's, of course, Julian Spironi, who I think we've had on the podcast a couple of times. This was the most recent one uh, from back in 2017, I think. Uh, I think, again, I think it was our Christmas special. Uh, and Julian very kindly invited us around his house um, and uh, chatted to us about, well, about his whole palace career for a while, actually. Um, it was a lovely, lovely chat. He's, he, he and his family are absolutely lovely. Uh, they really sort of spoiled us and looked after us. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time. And, and his enthusiasm, unsurprisingly for Palace, uh, comes through uh, in this interview. So here's Julian. Well, a bit of a chunk from the, the, the Speroni uh, episode um, for you because it's all good. It's all gold. Um, but here's a little bit of him talking about, well, he's not being in the team and sort of what he did to work his way back into the to team under Peter Taylor, I think. And you can really hear his love um, for the club. Uh, just, just a lovely bloke. It's lovely that he's back at the club. I think he, I think he retired. I think he stayed on a couple of years after this, didn't he? There was always those couple of years towards the end of his career where was an extra year and people weren't sure. And he, and he just wanted to stick around as long as possible because he loves the club. Um, and now he's back in a coaching capacity. Top bloke. Anyway, I'm going to stop eulogising about Julian Sproni. I'll let you hear from him. Here he is, the one and only Julian Sproni, back from 2017 on the FYP podcast. During those times when you weren't playing and you were trying to prepare to get back in the team, did they ever get to a point where you think, I have to, I have to go. I maybe have to go look somewhere else. Um, it did cross my head. It did. It did. Um, but again, when you know you're capable of doing something, I, I just, I knew I had to, you know, have uh, another run in the team. I knew I was at some point I was going to have another run in the team. Uh, don't ask me why, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, that's that's that was my target to have another run in the team. Uh, what's going to happen next? I, I don't know. I don't know how long I'm going to play for. I don't know, <laughs> but but I wanted to have another run in the team. Uh, but it does, yeah, of course, when you're not playing and that's what you want to do, it, you know, things cross your, your mind, you know. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I said to, when I said to Steve Parrish, you know, when we uh, talked, you know, some time ago that, uh, uh, that I wanted to finish my career playing for this club. You know, I don't know if it's going to be possible because, you know, we, we're growing and growing and growing and yeah, I don't know how long I'll, I'll be able to stay here, but my, my dream was to finish my career playing for Palace. Um, and that didn't change because at some point, as a goalkeeper, I don't think he, I'm going to lose my fitness too much. Um, but there's going to be a time where you know you, you can't really recover from game to game, and that's what I think goalkeepers notice. You know, they're getting older when because we have so many games. Sometimes, sometimes you're playing three three games a week, and there's going to be a point where I probably won't be able to play three games a week. 
And as a number one, you need that consistency. You need to be playing regularly. You get that fine tuning, I call it, the fine tuning. You know that you need as a goalkeeper. And uh, so that when that time comes, then you know I'll be. If I had to take another role within the squad, then I, I'd be happy to. Um, but I don't think the time is now. You know, I'm very much. You know, I would like to play every single game if I can. Um, so that's that's my my target. But um, but yeah, but you can't really man. You can't really yeah. You know, know or guess what's going to happen in in football. I would say next week or even less. You know, tomorrow. I'm going for training tomorrow. Will I get injured tomorrow in training? Who knows? You know, and maybe not playing again. Uh, and I'm not saying just for Palace, I'm saying not playing again, ever. <laughs> so, so who knows? So you can't really plan ahead too much. What, I, what, it, what you can do is every time you have the opportunity, just do your best, you know, train properly, do the, pro- do the right things, and then make sure you're ready for when the chance comes, then you, you'll be able to perform in a, in a proper manner. Especially at the moment, because the managerial changes are so quick. You could have a new manager next week, and he might see you in a different way to the previous manager. He might yeah. see the team in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, you is, know, that, no. is that difficult? It, well, it is, yeah. When you, you, ideally, you want consistency. You want to have a, a good plan and everything you know, settled and stuff. But sometimes it's not possible. You know, this craziness of the Premier League, you know, it doesn't allow that sometimes. And you know, not just us, but other clubs are going through the same thing. So, you know, exactly the same thing that we went through before. You know, with managerial cha- changes and uh, and the players have to adapt. You don't know who's coming. You don't know if he's gonna like you or not. And as a professional, well, what can you do? You had to carry on. Is is it is it true? Is there such thing as the the new manager bounce? You heard of that? The new manager bounce. Like yeah, they, it's a thing in the press. They say, but when a team gets a new manager, they, you know, you get a new reaction from the players and stuff, and you get reinvigorated. Is that actually true? No, I don't. I don't think so. No, no. I, obviously, it creates a bit of a. A different atmosphere within the the change room within the club because it's a new manager and all the players want to impress the new manager because they want to make sure that they have the, the chance to play. Yeah. That's that's normal. But um, but you have you know so many different scenarios where I mean with when Sam took over you know it took us how long to win our first game. I, I so so and and I can see the, the changes because we were working really really hard and he was working on every single point you know that what he wanted the team to do but sometimes it takes you know takes time mm-hmm. um, um, other clubs is the same you know sometimes the change is instant and it just click from the beginning but some other times it doesn't happen that way it takes it's a, it's a process you know uh, so no I don't think there's such a thing no. is, is, is Roy different to other managers is he Different to managers you played with before. What was he like? Well, they're all different. Yeah, there's no. I don't think I had. I ever had two managers the same. You know, they're all, they're all different. They like different tactics. They like different ways to manage people. They like different ways to uh, play the game. So yeah, of course he's different. But, I've heard uh, he's quite sort of old school on the on the training ground. Sort of likes hard work. Yeah, but what's old school and what's new school? I mean, I mean. It's football, it's football. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned before, you know, we players sometimes, managers as well, we complicate the game. Football is football, it's been for the last, how long, 200 years. No, it's been the same, it's been exactly the same. <laughs> the, the goal is saying, yeah, okay, the pitch is better now, the football is a bit, probably, well, people will say it's better the football, but I actually think it's worse because it moves a lot more <laughs> and it's so slippery, which, uh, yeah, probably 
people wish to play with the old, you know, leather. Yeah, with the lace <laughs> and stuff. That'd be that. You know, really, really good. Yeah. You know, probably more <laughs> you know, straighter, yeah. Uh, no, but uh, I mean, seriously, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, what, what is old school? I mean, I don't know, just like, I, you know, I heard that he likes a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of running and stuff on the training ground. Yeah, but go and ask Pep Guardiola if they don't work hard. Or go ask Pochettino how hard they work. Yeah. Uh, I know for fact how they work. And that's not old fashioned, that is how it should be. You know, that's uh, you know, working really hard every single day. There's no other way. And because if you're not working hard, the opposition will. And then you, you know, you fell behind. Do you, so do you have a role? You were just talking about, you mentioned a role in the squad. Do you have a personal role in the squad? Like, as an older player, do players come, younger players come to you? Or do you feel like a fatherly figure? I don't know. Do you have a certain role? Of course. Yeah, you have, I think you have a responsibility as, a, as an older, as a senior player. You have a responsibility to, to make sure that, uh, you know, well, the young players, they're quite shy. So they sometimes, they, I don't know if it's... I don't know if they get intimidated or what. I don't know what the word is, uh, but they are quite shy and sometimes. What with you? You're not intimidated. With, no, no, no. I, mean, I think I'm not, but you know, I don't know. Some, I, I think I would think it's shy more than you know intimidated. <laughs> uh, and but you know, you need to make sure that the the young players they understand what it means to play for Crystal Palace, you know, and what it means uh, to be a professional footballer uh, on and off the pitch. And, and yeah, we have a as a senior players, we have a responsibility in that. You know, we we need to make sure that we we speak when it's when it's necessary, and uh, in in the right manner, of course. Um, but yeah, make sure that the you know, things within our you know power, we can you know if we can help in any way, we you know we need to make sure we do. Have managers in the past ever come to you and said, "Help me"? Talk to the younger players, or help me talk to the team, or, or ask for your opinion on stuff. No, oh, yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, managers tend to do that. Yeah, with senior players, yeah, they always ask for their opinions. And uh, we have meetings where you know we all in, in a room and we we all exchange opinions about different things. Um, so yeah, it's quite common, really. Yeah. So what does it mean to, to play for Crystal Palace? I mean, for me, it's been my life. You know, it's been everything for me. Uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a family. You know, it's, uh, I go to a club every weekend or every other weekend when we play at home, and uh, I see those faces that I've been seeing for the last 14 years or so, and uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a small family. You know, it's uh, we we know each other and we you know we know how we feel and we all you know care for this club, and it's not like uh, as we mentioned before. You know that you know players stay maybe for six months in a club and they left and they haven't really grasped. What, what, what is the club like? But after 14 years, I think I have a good, a good idea of uh, what this club is like, and uh, and I just, I just love it. You know, it's, I said before, you know, people, you know, probably don't believe me, but I'm a Palace fan. You know? yeah. And I said before, and that's the way I feel. That's the way I feel. I feel when I, when we lose a game, I come home and I can, you know, my wife can tell you how I am when, I'm, when we lose a game. <laughs> so, and. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, to explain it, but but it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's been it's been you know, my life. I played play all my career here almost, and uh, and yeah, I can yeah. I have uh, such a, good memories. You know, good times, bad times. Uh, as you know, we, we mentioned before, but but it's been it's been amazing. Really. Is that harder though if you are a fan? Because I go in the press box sometimes and I have to report on Palace, but because I'm a fan, 
I can't be objective, you know, because I get too emotionally involved. Yeah. Is that the same as a player, maybe, if you actually care for a club as much as a fan does? You're a bit evolved. That's why I don't do Twitter, I don't do Instagram, I don't do Facebook. <laughs> because I, I don't think I could deal with all that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it could be, it'd be very hard for me. Yeah. Very, very hard, yeah. What a man, Julian Speroni. Oh, that was a good day. Anyway, that, that ends our clip special. Hope you've enjoyed this. Hope it's filled a gap this week uh, for our regular series, which will be back with Pod 500 um, in a couple of weeks' time with a very, very special guest indeed. Uh, between then, there'll be the regular weekly episodes, of course. Um, if you're part of our Patreon, which I should have mentioned an hour ago, uh, patreon.com slash podcast, you'll get post-match pods, of course, over the next few games. Uh, you'll also get a copy of this episode without any adverts in it. Um, and you can, depending on what tier you're on, also join the Discord group um, which I would say is a lovely place to sort of work out your FYP frustration. Sorry, your palace. Sometimes FYP. Palace frustrations. And uh, yeah, it's a lovely little group, very supportive and um, lots of great chat in there as well. So uh, yeah, that's a little, little bit of a promo for the uh, Discord group. But any support you can support us via Patreon is really appreciated. Uh, that's it. Hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, back next week, the regular pod. Until then, uh, I guess stay safe. Up the palace. See you again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.